Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Today we're traveling back in time to the morning after the election, the morning after the United States citizens elected reality star businessman Donald Trump to be the next president. This episode isn't going to make a lot of sense if you haven't already heard episode 137, Election. And thank you to so many of you who wrote to say that that episode in particular felt epic, like it was a historical documentation that really captured what it felt like in the United States the morning after the election, at least from two people's, two liberals' point of view. So I encourage you to check that out, and thank you to those of you who wrote in. It's really nice to hear from you, and it's always thrilling as a radio producer to feel like you actually captured a period of time and told a good story. So thank you for writing. This episode is going to pick up after Tiffany and I jumped on Skype to keep talking, after talking through WhatsApp all morning, Tiffany echoing a bit as she talks to me while giving her baby a bath. And today's show also includes an interview with Tiffany's boss, giving his Italian perspective on the election. After all of that back and forth that we've already done through WhatsApp this morning, we actually decided to get on Skype. So should we do a true introduction to this show? Yes. <laughs> Tiffany? Let's go for it. All right. This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Hi, Tiffany. Before we decided to get on the Skype, we were going to not record this show the day after the election, but since we were so charged about it through our voice messages on, on WhatsApp, we decided to go ahead and do it, because why not? Right now, as we speak on Skype, I'm at work, you're bathing Aurelio. We had one of those few moments where you wake up and you feel like you're in a different world altogether. You were saying though that you related to what I said earlier about the barista seeming like she was pretending to be happy this morning. Yes, I felt the same way because I woke my son up, or he woke up this morning at um, 7.20 Rome time, which is, I don't know, what time was that where you are? Um, or not where you are, but let's say where the election was happening, at one twenty a.m. Right. Um, and by that time, I mean, it had been called, but it was pretty clear. It was pretty clear what was going on. I had to be all cheerful because I don't want my son to start his day with his mom being depressed, you know, so... I put on a happy face and I took him into his room to get him dressed and, you know, try to be cheerful. Although there's a little song that I sing to him every single morning when I open the shutters and it's a song from Oklahoma. And you know, if you know Oklahoma, you know it. It's, you know, oh, what a beautiful morning. Yeah. I just couldn't bring myself to sing it this morning. Oh, really? And oh, yeah, I mean, so it, 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 you, you said how rainy and grizzly it is in, uh, and drizzly it is, grizzly too. <laughs> Uh, in Seattle today. On the other hand, in Rome, it's it's been an absolutely gorgeous, perfect sunny day, mm. and it's almost like it's offensive when when that happens. When the weather is so perfect, like the morning of 9/11, you know, it's just the weather's so perfect. It just shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be like that right now. Well, even the president commented on that yesterday. Did you hear when he said um, in his, one of his speeches before the election results were coming in that no matter what happens, the sun will rise in the morning? With how he ended it, I think in his speech today, what he said was, well, that was true. <laughs> the sun did rise this morning. <sighs> uh, so where were you last night? Where did you um, watch the votes come in? Well, I was at a party at my friend Jenny's house. A very large party, but it was largely of kids, which was interesting, particularly since I have no kids. But a lot of her friends have children. So it was a loud, chaotic party. It was kind of 
tongue in cheek to she had bought food for both the red and blue type person in America. Like she'd bought fast food hamburgers and french fries for the red states with PBR, perhaps blue ribbon beer. And then she had like Bon Mies, much more sophisticated fare for the blue states. And of course, lots of stickers and beads. And I think it was meant to be a happy occasion. We all thought it would be a happy occasion. You know, remember how Donald Trump called Hillary Clinton a nasty woman? Yeah. Well, a, a lot of people have been playing off of that in the United States as a joke, creating drinks called the nasty woman, T-shirts that say, what a nasty woman, sort of trying to take that derogatory comment back, you know, and own it. Mm -hmm. So she had drinks called the nasty woman and stickers the men could wear that said bad ombre and stuff like that. You know, all the things that were have been so absurd about Donald Trump being a presidential candidate. Now, I think about Donald Trump is it's not absurd that he would say these kinds of things. I think that a lot of Americans are racially insensitive and misogynistic. That said, I, I don't think that we've seen this in a presidential candidate in certainly not in my lifetime, that you could elect somebody who called people such horrible things. And I think that part of the the stickers and all that stuff is just trying to be like, it's a joke, it's going to be okay, what a jerk. We can own the fact that he's an insulting person. But then as the night went on and more and more families sort of trailed off because the kids had to go to bed, it just took on this horrible, somber tone and particularly once all the polls were saying that he had a 93 percent chance of winning and then he had a 95 percent chance of winning and soon there's only four of us left in the room and we're drinking we've changed from drinking pbr to scotch you know <laughs> because it's so depressing and uh you made that funny comment to me when we were chatting that night, you said, at least you can have a drink. I have to go to work. Or you said that on Twitter or something like that. I kind of rethought that comment while I was at work. And I said to my colleague, in fact, I said, you know, it's actually better that I got to go up and go to work because I'm distracted and, I, and I've got stuff to do. Whereas if it's, you know, nighttime and you have to go to bed and try to sleep with that on your heart and then wake up the next morning. And I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who woke up thinking, oh my God, I just had the worst dream. And then realized it wasn't. Yeah, and I mean, I think you also have to point out that that a lot of the country woke up and feel more hopeful this morning than they ever have. And that's Unbelievable. at least in years. And that's the hard part for, for those of us in these liberal enclaves to understand that a good swath of our country is overjoyed and feel like they finally have taken back control. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, for us, it's so scary. Oh, I feel, I feel it. I don't, like I said before on voice memo, I don't, I'm sure I don't feel it the way that you're feeling it simply because I'm not there and I'm not living in it and I'm not seeing it. I experienced this election very <laughs> quietly. Yeah. I was sleeping. <laughs> I, I was so excited yesterday. I was so excited. And I was so excited because I was thinking about the, ele the election of 2008. And I was here in Rome and I went to a friend's house and we had a party, a little party. In Europe, if, you know, if you're following the elections, you have to stay up really late. We did. And we stayed up. I don't think it was, as, I think the election was called much sooner in the night. Um, but we were definitely up until... Two, two in the morning at least. And I just remembered, you know, the, 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 the states turning over, the tur turning blue and the excitement and the hope and the feeling of, oh my gosh, not just, 
this president believes in things I believe in and, and hopefully he'll change the country for the better. It wasn't just that. It was the sense of hope and pride in, in your country that they finally elected a person of color after so long. And both of those things were true in the opposite direction this time. But mm-hmm. we'll get back to that. But what I was going to say was, so yesterday morning, I thought, oh, I want to stay up and watch the elections. And, you know, I kind of did some research and saw what time things were start going to start coming in. And I realized it would be too late. So I just thought, you know, I've been having some really late nights lately because I really has been sick. And I just thought I'm not going to give up on a night of sleep. So I went to bed pretty confident in what would happen. I mean, pretty confident that, that Hillary would win, quite frankly. And I usually turn my phone off, but I didn't last night. And I woke up to a text message at 3.45, which would have been about 6.45 in Seattle, uh, 6.45 p.m. and 9.45 p.m. on the East Coast. And the message was from our mutual good friend, Suzanne. And she said, are you watching this? I'm freaking out. And my heart just, you know those times when your heart starts pounding like from one second to the next. It just, boom, your heart starts pounding. And I just thought, no, 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 this can't be. She's, she's, she's freaking out because, you know, maybe he's won like one you know, important state. And I grabbed my phone and I opened Politico and I looked at the map and I saw the numbers. And at that time, the numbers were 144 for Trump and 109 for Hillary, which are scary numbers. I mean, just the fact that he's ahead was scary. But I saw, okay, California hasn't been counted. Washington State hasn't been counted. Uh, but Pennsylvania hasn't been counted. Florida hasn't been counted. And I thought, okay, okay, we're okay, we're okay. Claudio woke up. He got on his phone. And we, you know, there was no going back to sleep at that point. Aurelia was sleeping in between us, which was kind of surreal as well. Um, this little innocent <laughs> person, completely oblivious to the world that he is inheriting. I don't want to sound dramatic, but, you know, that's how it felt. Yeah. We looked up the percentages. I wasn't watching any live coverage. Uh, I was just basically watching that map. And I was tweeting with Suzanne, and then I eventually was tweeting with you. I was tweeting with another friend of mine who lives in Rome but is in New York right now visiting family. Same sort of conversations we've all been having, and just devastation, fear, disbelief, disgust, all of it. <laughs> um and yeah, and at, at seven, seven o'clock, I mean, at 6.30, by 6.30, it was time for me to start getting ready for work. And it wasn't clear, clear yet, but it was pretty, it was pretty clear. Florida had already gone, but Pennsylvania definitely had not gone to Trump yet. I did a little tally in my head and I, and I added up. By the time I had to get ready for work, um, I want to say it was something like two, I can't remember, but she was in like like around 209 or 216, and he was around 240, I can't remember, 250. And I just went through the list, and I made a count, you know, and I counted up the states that I thought she was going to win. You know, I saw that it wasn't going to happen. And so I had to get up and you know, get ready for work and get Aurelio dressed and um, go to work. And as I took the metro in, I just felt so alone. I was looking around me, and I just felt like nobody... I just felt like no one cared, like I was all alone. And I called Claudio and I was kind of talking to him about it in Italian. And there was someone on the train who was overhearing me, an older man. <laughs> he said, uh, he looked at me and he said, don't worry, he'll be assassinated. <laughs> oh, Typical Italian dramatics. Right. <laughs> and then I got into work and I mean, I was, I mean, you know, I don't have to tell you how I felt. Oh, I know. You know, I just had that look of, look of death on my face and I got to work and one of my colleagues walked in and said, oh, what's the matter? Oh my God, what's the matter? 
And I said, the American elections. And she just laughed. Oh, come on. I thought someone died. You know, and I just thought, you don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it. Yeah, I think it's going to take a long time to sort of untangle what is upsetting people about this. I work in an office with a lot of women, and I think that a lot of the deep sadness isn't just his unpredictability and the fear that his election might end up with people dying or, you know, horrible policy change or we don't know where he stands on issues because he hasn't said where he stands on most issues. But I think it's also for women this overwhelming sadness of thinking that we'd come a lot farther as women in this country than it seems that we have. That's something that a friend of mine last night, while she was crying her eyes out, was getting at. We couldn't break the glass ceiling. We still are pitted against each other. We still vote against a person, a woman, because she seems too powerful. This kind of misogyny and sexual assault permission type thing that has come out of this, that was poorly said, but um, you get what I'm saying. That it just seems like, I don't know, a huge step back. The divide seems so much larger now that, you know, there are men and they can still do whatever they want, which we know, and we're still women, and we thought we'd come a long way, and we... And we haven't. It just doesn't feel like we have, as far as we thought. Well, that's exactly what I meant when I said that it's the opposite of how I felt when Obama was elected, because it was like that feeling of, oh my gosh, we've really made progress. I mean, I'm so proud. This country, you know, just 70 years ago was embroiled in horrible, horrible racism and segregation and, and, and disgusting atrocities. And as I said to her, and still is. At that point, Aurelio's bath was done and it was bedtime. We left our conversation there. But this week, Tiffany interviewed her boss at Where Rome magazine to get an Italian's point of view on the election. Early on, Tiffany equated Trump's manner and leadership to that of Berlusconi, a comparison that the BBC finally made this week. And thank you, listener Lori Lee, for pointing out how many months before them Tiffany drew those lines. Lori found us on Twitter, and you can too, at bittersweetpod. Thank you, Lori. Here's Tiffany. Okay, so uh, today I'm talking with my boss, Federico Schiaffino, and um, we've had a lot of discussions about the election. And so I wanted to get his perspective as an Italian and, uh, and someone who knows a lot about American culture, about um, what people think over here. So Federico, thanks for uh, talking to me. Hello, how are you? How do you think that a Trump presidency will affect Italy and the rest of Europe? I am quite sure that uh, the new president of the United States uh, with uh, its policy will affect deeply our country, Europe, and the rest of the world. From uh, a, a commercial point of view, he already declared he wants to protect the interests of the United States. So from an, an economical point of view, I think uh, there will be some important consequences in our, in our life, especially from uh, mentality, from the culture, because here in Europe, uh, we, have, uh, we had experienced before something like uh, now is happening in the United States. And I think uh, Donald And what, what do you mean specifically? Uh, I'm talking about uh, some uh, mm, anguish in Europe and some... Um, 
secret pains, secret against the, the, the strangers, against the. Um, so I think uh, this correspondence between uh, Europe and uh, now uh, United States uh, will um, provoke uh, not, not pleasant results. Even though you feel like you identify with us, is that what you're saying? In Italy, you've... I am very surprised because for me, as in, in my mind, the United States are the land of the free. So the foundation of the United States is freedom. We are all equals. No, so, so they now, I, I, I can't believe the United States, which are a, a landmark in, this, in, the, in freedom, now is becoming the contrary of its nature. I can't believe it. I can't believe it either. <laughs> but I have to say that you were seriously worried, like some other Italians I know, you were worried that Trump would win. And, and my friends, my American friends and I were convinced of the opposite. So do you know something that we don't know? Um, okay, we already experienced a software version of, <laughs> of Trump who used to be Berlusconi. Berlusconi was dangerous, yes, but not as much as Trump is. I think, on the other hand, it's exaggerated to talk about the Ku Klux Klan or something like that, because this is against the time. We, we, can't, we can't say uh, Trump uh, is... Uh, want to, 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 to go back to apartheid. I think it's impossible, it's impossible. So that's a bit of an exaggeration. Yes. But? But uh, we have to be very, very careful. Follow him in a very, very, very attentive way. I am um, worried not about the Mexican or a wall, or I'm worried about the uh, abortion and especially the integration. I, I heard yesterday a journalist, um, Friedman, who was talking about the, the end of the integration at school amongst whites and blacks is not possible. <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I know. It. Do you know a song? It's a, an old song. Its title is uh, Give Me Hope, Joanna. Johanna is not a woman. It's a song against the apartheid. So if, give me hope, Johanna, give me hope, okay? Johanna is not a woman, it's Johannesburg, okay? It's Johannesburg. Oh, I see. And so I, now I can, I can sing, give me hope, America, give me hope, please. Please, we all need hope. <laughs> um, you mentioned a few times, especially when we were talking about the Brexit, that Alexis de Tocqueville and some of his controversial remarks on democracy. You want to talk about that and say maybe how that applies in this case? I don't want to, to debate about Tocqueville. It is a very complex matter, and I want to bother you. Bore you, yeah, yes. The degeneration of democracy. But... I know it's a very, very big question. Are we sure we are mature enough to express a vote? Everybody. Who is somebody um, in, from a civic and from uh, a political point of view? We are prepared. We are, we have, we are enough cultured to express a vote. It's very, uh, about very, very, very important uh, matters, considering that our vote 
will affect the destiny of the world? This is a very big question. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to, to seem uh, hmm, snobbish. But, um, for example, I think the Brexit. We were crossing the, the, the same big problem. The people voted, but maybe it was uh, an, an instinctive vote. Too emotional, maybe. Emotional, yes. Too emotional, and they did express the rage they had against something, against Europe, or against the way of life they are not satisfied with. But uh, with their decision, they may, to, the, to vote uh, that, to vote that uh, the Brexit, they will affect uh, deeply their destiny. And maybe they are not aware of this. So were they mature, mature enough to vote, to express a vote? They could um, sustain their vote with ideas, with ideological convictions, very eradicated. No, I don't, I don't think so. So this is a very big question. Interesting. <laughs> now, what do you as an Italian think about American people, the American people, let's say, who would elect someone like Trump, someone who has been openly racist, misogynistic, uh, has uh, made fun of people with disabilities, has seemed to show no regard for facts, etc., that we would elect someone like him to the highest office of the land. What does that say about us from an Italian point of view? I think Italian people, um, there are a lot of fans and admirers of Trump in Italy because uh, you have to understand Italy's culture is, is completely different. Our tradition is different because uh, we lived with the fascism. So inside of us uh, um, there is uh, the the greed for the strong man. So I, I, I think in Italy, Trump could be very charming, very fascinating, I think. It's interesting, you said, uh, uh, it's interesting you said fascism because a lot of us have been saying Trump seems like a combination of Berlusconi and Mussolini. <laughs> yeah. Which is frightening. Uh, it's terrifying. Yes, it's terrifying. But, uh, but um, I think uh, everybody say, uh, wait and see. He will change a lot of things in respect with the, the camp his campaign. Because he, can't, he is not in Europe, he is in America. America, I want to believe, it's still the land of the free. Thank you, Federico. <laughs> Thanks to you. <laughs> this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Tell us what you think about the election from where you are in the world. Record your voice memo and send it to bittersweetlife at mail.com. You know, the voice memo, memo app that's on a lot of your phones. Just push record, talk to us for 30 seconds and send it to us. And maybe we'll put your voice on a future show. Bittersweetlife at mail, M-A-I-L dot com. And you can always look us up and find more information at thebittersweetlife.net. Talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>